this is TD from White Collar Sideshow, and you're listening to Rock at Night. from Rock and Night Magazine and I have with me today TD from the band White Collar Sideshow. TD, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm great. I'm excited to have you guys. Um, I've listened to some of your stuff and for the people out there who are big Rob Zombie fans, right? I guess that's fair to say you guys are very similar in style. That is what people tell us. <laughs> and, you know, Zombie's a big influence of mine. I saw White Zombie, man, it's probably like 1994 with the Reverend Horton Heat and the Melvins. And so, like, that was a super influential rock concert in my life. <laughs> so I would, I, I, I'm a big Zombie fan. We saw his concert last year with Chris Baseford, who's also worked with Zombie in the past. And he works with Nickelback, um, he's done Avril Lavigne, and a, a, a lot of other artists. And so he, we work together on this album. It comes out in October. It's called I Didn't Come Here to Die. And, man, we love everything. It's like a mashup of old country, metal, industrial, rock, just a lot of our different influences. And, yeah, it, it comes out October. We're touring. We start our tour in October. And... Um, got a bunch of different states, a bunch of different performances, and hopefully we'll be able to tour this one for the next three or four years. So, you know. How many band members do you have in the band currently? We have two. (laughs) (laughs) We have two band members. It's myself, and I play drums and do vocals, and my wife plays bass and does vocals, and she also does management, tour managing, cooking, merchandising. She is everything business books <laughs> wow that's awesome <laughs> i was checking out some of your footage from uh it was a behind the scenes video that you guys did in brazil that is another we were playing in germany and met some friends there who were also from brazil who said hey man we want to have you guys in brazil so they helped us put some performances together down there and uh, and we met, we recorded for a song, this song called Tombstones for Eyes, and it was recorded with the drummer at, at for Sulpatura. Oh. And he also plays for the band Ego Kill Talent. Oh. And uh, John is his name. He's just amazing, an amazing guy. And we recorded a song for Converse Rubber Tracks at Family Mob Studio down there. It was really awesome. So we recorded this song. And then we went to a wedding in Brazil. And, you know, everyone speaks Portuguese, and so you're having translators. <laughs> and so we're the crazy Americans at this wedding. And um, and the guy that did the wedding film comes up to us and is like, I saw that you recorded the song. I want to do a music video for you. 
can we sit down and talk about it real quick? Because the three translators, I had an idea to be buried alive, and then he had his direction idea, and so we kind of, you know, put our ideas together. We didn't have, we had three days off, so we were like, all right, let's do these three days, and that behind-the-scenes footage turned out so cool, and, and actually that music video is on our website, The Finished Deal. Um, man, it was a, an amazing experience. We played on top of um, an 18-story building with no barriers. Also filmed on Palito, which is like Broadway in New York City. Like, there's 20 million people, so we didn't have the permission. So when the lights, stoplights would turn red, we would go film really quick and then come out really fast. So, you know, a lot of a lot of time, a lot of editing. But um, Dago was the director, the Brazilian director, and he did just a fantastic job. He was amazing. And then our videos that we film in Arkansas are done with Travis Joyner, and he is equally as amazing. So I'm so thankful to have those people in your life that can grab the ideas out of your brain. How, <laughs> how do you get into the type of music that you do in Arkansas? Were you consider like a misfit, outcast? I don't know. I think we all have this you know, Arkansas being the South, you know, a lot of country music, and but here you are, and you're something completely different than what most of America is <laughs> used to. That's a good question. Um, you know, I grew up listening to the Beach Boys. You know, I, I grew up, I was born in the 70s, so I grew up listening to the Beach Boys, Michael Jackson, Prince, but then I was also into the rock and roll, you know, when hair metal came around, of yeah. course, like, that was the music of our generation. And so your Motley Crue's, your Poisons, your, you know, your Teslas, and your Iron Maidens, and your Metallicas. You know, I started getting introduced into that heavier world, which I absolutely loved. And I didn't really listen to a lot of country music. I grew up on classic rock here, so my dad was in Tuesday. He had like Palmer Brothers, Dewey Brothers. He was scared, he had a lot of that style. Um, but I think one of the bands that really influenced the music that I do today is probably The Doors. Oh, wow. Did not expect <laughs> I, that. <laughs> I, right. So it's probably one of our biggest influences is The Doors. I just got into them um, reading biographies. A buddy turned me on to them probably my junior year of high school. And it was just different, and it was dark for the time, and I got it. And it was, like what you said, kind of mystical, kind of out there. And, uh, and then, you know, getting into the 90s, you had your corns and raising your but Rob Zombie, when I saw first saw White Zombie, Rob Zombie was the was the act that really super inspired me to do something visually different. And then I went and saw Nine Inch Nails on the Delmer Spiral Tour, and it changed my life. Like Nine Inch Nails was, wow, how did you do that? You know, and then you're in there taking notes, like, how did you do that for five bucks? <laughs> and. And so I feel like there's a lot of influence to what I was doing here in Arkansas, but you're right, like it, it was different for the time because it always feels like Arkansas can be five or 10 years behind the time sometimes when repopularity of music comes around. Um, but I wrote most of the album, I Didn't Come Here to Die, in Brazil. Oh. And I got to thinking about like, how, how do you miss, I, about seven or eight years ago, I started getting back into old country, so, Willie, Waylon, Hank, Johnny, you know, all the old country artists really started to lose some of my life. And then I found Hank Williams III, 
which completely inspired me all over again. You know, he he plays in death bands, he plays in doom metal bands, and he does his outlaw country music. And it's just really influenced me to go, why can't I not mix all of these influences? I love the country, the the kind of Western feel, along with that Midwest rock, the metal, the industrial. And so everything from our first album, second album, to this album was just a, just a mashup of all these different things and, and trying to do something that we haven't done before. And I really feel like it came out more mature than, than I thought it would, um, which is great. Like, I'm getting to do a lot of different styles, and I love it. And, and it's just been wonderful um, to have support from your home state and your home city. And, uh, and I feel like that's something that I've always wanted, and it takes growth to do that and longevity. And really, it takes building relationships and hanging out with people and going to support your own scene and, and going out and, and building into other artists as well. And that's what we're huge about, community. So, um, so that's kind of how we got involved with all of that coming out of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Now, you've, you guys traveled to a lot of places. Is there a difference between American listeners and overseas listeners? Because you've traveled Germany and is it Poland and a lot of places. Is there a difference between the fans? Yeah, I think I think most certainly it's a lot different than when you go to Germany and you go set up at a, a club and all of a sudden you've got you know a, a packed house. And they don't even know who you are. They've never seen you before. And, uh, and you know, a lot of the novelty of being an American band as well kind of draws in that audience, too. Poland was just exceptional. They reminded me a lot of the South. Everybody was so kind. And Come have some coffee with me. Come eat dinner with me. And, uh, and really overwhelmingly understood what you do. That's what's cool about having the film at a live show because you can kind of show people what kind of point you're trying to get across, uh, what kind of message you're trying to portray, or how to try to identify with people and help them realize they're not alone. And Brazil is just a, still a huge metal world. So, you know, we played a lot of biker clubs down there. We even played um, a heavy metal church, which was so awesome. Wow. And, uh, and just to see the amount of people come out and support um, is something that, not that you don't see in the U.S., but you're it's so big that you're constantly trying to build an audience and, and everywhere you go. So you got to go over and over and over and over again and, and create. I don't want to say fans. I feel like a lot of our performances are family reunions of people that we build relationships with on the road over the last 13 years or people that have helped us change tires or fed us and gave us electricity, um, even finances. And, uh, and so I feel like we're able to even connect with that way in different countries and in the U.S. But you're right, like it's different. It's just a different audience. Seem like other countries just stay hung on to uh, to rock and metal music a lot longer than than we did here in the U.S. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like I feel like we fit into a lot of different countries more than we fit in. I don't know. Again, I mean that disrespectfully, but it, it is, it's like knowing your market almost. And, um, and right, like the metal world is still big outside of the U.S. and the rock world. And you're right, the, the hair metal does feel like it's 
rejuvenating again. I feel like I should have never changed from when I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> but it's cool. Like, it, it, everything recycles. You know, it, it all comes back around. What hasn't been done, it's still trying to be creative and do something new and different. But, um, you know, I'm still waiting for, for the 90s to come back around again. So my, maybe my industrial music will come back, come back in style. <laughs> I can see that you've transitioned through time with your music and you've you've gathered so much inspiration from everything that you've ever been through musically, you know, through the 80s, 90s, and, you know, now the 2000. But um, it's great. I, That's a nice compliment. Thank you. <laughs> now, is there a difference between this album versus the last few that you've released? Oh, for sure. And you know, like with our EP, that that was all based on um, addiction in my life. So the whole film is like done with old horror movies, and then we had our own actors intertwined. And you know, back then, um, or something that I have always struggled with, I'm not ashamed to say, is the pornography addiction. And um, and so I've had to really, you know, realize. Man, this this is something that can control my life. It's something that can ruin marriage. Um, I've had to go and get help for things like that. So my first performance that we did um, when we first started was it was all instrumental. There was, all the vocal parts were done with old horror films, very much similar to like a Rob Zombie show in a way. Um, of course, again, one of my biggest influences, and and it was all done with drums and bass. So a lot of it was also based on my life uh, testimony, so to say. Um, struggling with different addictions, struggling with pornography, and then a lot of the show was done. I was a sideshow barker, so I really studied like the old P.P. Barnum days mm. and had the, had the lingo, and I would share a lot about my life from the stage and my struggles. And, um, and it was, you know, probably different for that time. We also started in the Christian music world, so we were doing a lot of Christian festivals, and so that really worked to be able to help people realize, like, look, if you're struggling with something that that you're not, you feel ashamed of, or you're not able to tell somebody else about, man, let us come and come and share it with me. Let let us help you realize you're not alone. And you know, I'm a believer. I don't hide that. Like, I love the Lord. I have believed in God. So much more, and my faith has grown after being on the road for 13 years than it ever has in my entire life. And and uh, I feel like I'm on this journey with him to help other people realize they're not alone. You know, we're always in different places in our life. So our first album was this instrumental based on that. The second album was when we first met Chris Baseford, um, who is the producer that has worked had worked for Zombie back then, Tommy Lee. Uh, we had to record his drums at the basement of Tommy Lee's house, which was, I say the basement, it was his recording studio, so it was like MTV crib style. <laughs> um, and then also uh, working with Chris to kind of bring in a different sound. I've written these songs. My brother had been killed in a head-on car accident, and I was just in this place of darkness and trying to write music to help people realize, you know what? It doesn't matter what we're going through. 
like everything we go through when we struggle still brings kind of the same emotions. It brings loneliness, it brings depression, it brings frustration, hate, shame, guilt. You know, there's a lot of these places that we go where we feel like we're the only ones that struggle. So I tried to write this performance and do these videos to help people realize, like, here's a lot of things that we go through, but at the end of the day, we can all share our stories and help each other realize we're not alone. We can sharpen iron and become better people through this. Transitioning into I Didn't Come Here to Die was a place of freedom for me. You know, even coming off the road, putting this album, putting these films together, I still struggle. Now, when does your album come out? The album comes out October 4th. October 4th. Um, we do have the I Didn't Come Here to Die single out. You can just Google Black Dollar Sideshow and find all of our old stuff. Our website has everything. The, the, new, the two new singles that we have on there, Tune Comes for Eyes and Come Here to Die. And we are releasing another single at the end of this month. Yeah. Um, we did a cover song, which I've never done a cover song before. And we did a version of Break On Through by The Doors. Yeah which um, I'm super, super stoked about. That's awesome. And that, I know, and so that comes out uh, at the end of this month, the end of August, and then the video will come out September 17th, and then the album will drop October 4th through Curtain Call Records, too. Um, Curtain Call has, we've, we've just been introduced to them. They are doing a lot of work with us on the radio side, the promotion side, some of the festival side. And so Veronica, I will keep working our end. And, you know, this is, it's just really cool to have people come in and love what you do and give what you're doing and don't think it's just super weird and unusual. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it really creates a good team. And, uh, and I'm so excited and I'm so, um, oh, flattered, I guess is another word, to have teammates after all of these years. And I feel like we have had a lot of teammates in our life on this do-it-yourself road. It's just going to be a different perspective where we can hopefully work the music system more than we've ever been ever been able to do, not just from an outside do-it-yourself band trying to get in, but maybe start working some part of the system from the inside going out. Nice. What are some of the cities that you're going to be touring? I know that we will start in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We are doing um, three dates at a local club here called Harry's, called Harry's Downtown, with some really good friends of ours. We had a friend play on the album, Tom Ware, who does a lot of the banjos, the mandolins, the fiddles, the acoustics, the warlisters, while Chris, our producer, did a lot of the heavier guitars and a lot of the organs and numerous instruments on the album. And they're opening up the shows. And with my friend, John Michelle, who's kind of a Louisiana-based, lives in Arkansas. So he has that New Orleans Creedence classic heavy rock sound. Um, it was also on American Idol, like in 2007 or eight, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So it's, yeah, just a cool, cool opener. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're doing Fort Smith, Arkansas. We're doing uh, Springdale, Arkansas, Bedford, Texas. Uh, let's see. Boxsite, Arkansas, Joplin, Missouri, Tulsa, Oklahoma, San Angelo, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Houston, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, La 
Lafayette, Louisiana. I think we just picked up a New Orleans, Louisiana, Cape Coral, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, wow. Athens, Georgia, Statesville, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, um, Lexington, Kentucky, Newport, Kentucky, Huntington, West Virginia, Indianapolis, Indiana, Springfield, Missouri, and then I think we're going to be home for Thanksgiving and Christmas after that. <laughs> now, where is New Jersey and Philadelphia on your list? I don't hear it. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. Uh, right? So, a lot of our tour dates, uh, especially working, working these days, you know, it, a lot of our life has been do, who you know and building relationships that way. So that's something that we have to work on. We've done New Jersey in the past, and it is just booking up that direction. And so with this album coming out and the film as well, you know, the film plays behind us, um, this is something where we're a band who doesn't just do an album and then put a new one out in two years because of all the work that's gone into the whole production part of it. It's something that we will tour while I'm writing something else for the next three or four years because it's a concept album. It's like a piece of the wall. So I am quite certain that we will be up in your neck of the woods, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what we'll probably have to do, Andrea, is just contact you yeah. and say, hey, give us, give us a list of some venues, and that way we can start working that direction and trying to get back to different countries. Yeah. But hopefully working with Curtain Call, we'll be able to hit some of those bigger rock festivals too that can book around in that area. Here's your Philadelphia. You're obviously you have your your bigger acts where your your promoters are bringing in bands. So I mean something for us that would be awesome is actually getting on some tours with some bigger acts and being supporting supporting those bigger acts. And that that's something that we we not that we need to get better at is learning how to do that or or and if and that might be where a curtain call comes in as well for us. Do you have a must-have or special gear that you always need to have on on tour. Oh man, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a drummer, so I have to have sticks. That's one thing. But I'll give you a funny story. When we were in Brazil, the first time we, you know, you send a rider to a place, so you're not bringing all your drums overseas. I mean, overseas down south way down south <laughs> um, so you're not bringing all your equipment we have to have for something like that obviously your computer runs all of the tracks you know we're drums and bass so all of the other music runs to the computer and um, and it also runs our film but we have to have our in-ears so we have to bring that electronic piece of gear with us everything that runs our in-ears our tracks uh, how we're hearing ourselves through our ears and all, and all those things so that's a necessity of course my wife always brings her bass and, uh, and for me, used to, I would just bring a wireless microphone and you ask for drums. But going down to Brazil, and, you know, you just assume, hey, I need a five-piece drum set, I need some cymbals. Well, like, one of the floor toms didn't come with floor tom legs. And the drum stool didn't actually have a stool on top of it. <laughs> just, a, just a pole. <laughs> and, and you're like, wait a second. I mean, obviously, you know I can't sit on that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> so, um, so you know, when you're traveling in the U.S., you usually have everything you you have with you. I mean, for us, the necessity is we don't travel with a sound system, so we have to have 
a sound system everywhere we go. We have to have a sound guy who doesn't help with us. And so a lot of what we used to ask, especially back in the day, because we're so, we, we, we have never charged for a show. So I know that's going to sound crazy, Andrea. We literally, for a show? We, we never asked for guarantees. Okay. Uh, so, and, and we never really asked for contracts. So, um, Sometimes venues will do door splits where they will sell tickets. Okay. And at the end of the night, we'll say, if you've seen something you've never seen before, if you've been inspired in some way or encouraged, please leave a little bit in our tip jar so we can get to the next place. Wow. Now, that sounds completely crazy, but a lot of it is that's how we decided to live. That's how like art is for everyone. And it shouldn't just be big business. You should be able to dream big with five bucks in your pocket. And, you know, that's what's so crazy about Kurt was when I when I was explaining that part of my life, most industry people in our life have been like, you guys are crazy. You, you, you can't survive that way. But with Curtin Call, you know, John was like, man, I get it. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that. And, uh, I had never heard that before, because <laughs> usually it's it's like, nah, you, you can't do that. But that's the way that we have survived. When we would ask for a writer for a show or a festival, would say, hey, we'd love for you to come and play, uh, send us your contract or whatever, our contract would literally say, well, we need electricity, because we don't have the money for a hotel, we just live in our vehicle, so electricity to run a vehicle. Uh, a shower would be nice. Food would be awesome. Maybe a donation to what you think we're worth to your festival, and <laughs> and a coherent sound guy, someone who's alive. Wow, yeah, that's very important. <laughs> because that that would be our. Because he goes to a lot of places and they don't care. Like he's just like okay and walks off, and it's like no no no, make us sound good. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're a team tonight. We're a team, and uh, yep. and so believe in believe in this evening. <laughs> so that's. That's what I was getting at. I guess probably the greatest thing that that we depend on is a sound guy and a sound system Absolutely. who yeah. is passionate about what they're doing because that is just as much a gift and an art as playing an instrument. Absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. From personal experience, a sound guy is very important. <laughs> he, oh, man. Live and die by the sound guy. <laughs> he's the one that balances everything and makes you sound good because you can have the most expensive guitar drum set if you have a bad sound guy it's not worth it <laughs> to have an expensive uh, instrument because it's not sounding good <laughs> oh my gosh i wish i could i wish we had the funds to bring a sound guy with us every night and you know sometimes you used to play on these dream systems at big festivals and sometimes you know you're playing on public speakers and no subs so it's trying to work out the best that you with what you have is creating excellence with the best that you can and you know it'd be nice to have a sound guy on the road even just to make those little moments big sounds good now where can fans uh listen to your music check you guys out on social media oh man we we are on all the streaming sites, Spotify, Pandora. You just 
search white collar sideco um of course there's your instagrams your facebooks and and uh you know all, all of that those areas too um just search white collar sideco or just google white collar sideshow and uh there's your youtube there's um and our personal website is just whitecollarsideshow.com and you can find everything in all different avenues to all of our social media there as well. Sounds good. Now, where did you get the, the name uh, White Collar Sideshow from? Man, there was a heavy metal band a few years ago from Texas um, called Embodiment and got into one of their albums Oh, I guess back in the early 2000s, and uh, and one of the lyrics in one of their songs was "White Collar Sideshow." Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and and I was just like, man, that would be. And I was already putting this project together. I was playing in a different band, um, a band called Uttermost at the time, and uh, and I was starting to work on this project. I was like, wow, that is a really catchy lyric or a catchy title. That'd be a great band name. So back then, you know, we. Googled everything and Google White Collar Sideshow and there's nothing on the internet. So it was like, hey, let's buy the website. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and so that's really where it came from, is, uh, is this band and their lyric and even called them and asked them if I could use it. And um, so it was, I love it. It's just, you know, it's kind of has double-edged sword. I always feel like, like all of us human beings have sideshows in our lives and once we overcome something, you know, there's always another challenge that we face spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And, um, and I feel like that's where a lot of my faith comes in to, to be able to lean on the good Lord, so to say, whenever we are faced with adversity and trying to figure out how to persevere and when we make mistakes in our lives, um, really going, man, you know, especially as we get older, like, I don't want to have the shame in the guilt, and uh, and I'm really trying to figure out how to persevere through this moment, and this can only make me stronger. And even with our new album, I feel like I was in a moment like that, and had come true, as difficult as it was, to finding that freedom again. And it's some of these places that you never want to lose. So I feel like with the word sideshow, like we all have different sideshows in our lives. And that if we share our stories, we can help each other realize we're not alone. And white collar is just um, <laughs> it's a different animal in itself because we are the <laughs> furthest thing from white collar you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just an ironic vacation <laughs> for us. Living in, living, we've been living in, we, when we first started, we had a, a 20-foot RV, like a van with a turtle shell and a trailer traveling across the country. Then we moved into this big 50-foot toter home. Um, and now recently we, we we sold that. We were squatting on a warehouse floor for a year from a good buddy of ours who gave us a place to live. And uh, and then we bought a new vehicle that's just like a 24-foot U-Haul. We've always been living in this vehicle. And um, and so it's, you know, the, just the word white collar is uh, so far from our thought process. <laughs> But it was a good title. <laughs> now, before we finish up, is there any advice that you want to give to your fans out there? If you know, if anybody wants to start a band or even about life, do you have any 
words of wisdom? Oh, man. You know, as far as starting a band is concerned, I have a son. He's 22, and he wants to be in a band so bad, and he wants to, you know, get all of his creative ideas out of his head. And uh, I feel like it's finding people who get that same vision and get the same goal where and it, just like what you said earlier with chemistry I, it, I feel like it's about not being a bunch of fingers but joining as a fist and if you're touring around and you're living in a van together you know it's learning how to get along and love each other and when we screw it up it's about forgiveness and really building into each other and encouraging each other to keep growing through the process because everything you do in that van is what you show on stage and if you're passionate about what you're doing, that's going to show. And if everything's falling apart, that's going to show as well. So I feel like it's learning how to have that community first and then being able to grow through the process of art, whether you're in that band forever or not. You know, I feel like that's super important. And I think about life. Um, I've made many mistakes in my life. And I am super guilty of hurting family, hurting friends, um, having to learn how to grow through tough situations and tough processes, especially in the music world. Um, you know, it, it can be a place where that one guy who knew what to do with you walks through the door and, and doesn't think you're worth anything. <laughs> and trying to overcome your disappointments and discouragements but also realizing that that is part of the creative process too, is writing into all this. Thing. And, uh, and I feel like coming through, learning how to find forgiveness and forgive others and grow is the challenge. And, um, and when we can do those things, when we come out and we find that through freedom, man, I feel like that's another place where art can really be created from. And, uh, and I feel like that's important, you know, we're all not perfect. We're all human beings. And scars are not signs of weakness. They're, they're signs of survival, endurance, and growth. And, you know, for me, it's about going through the, that process and remembering that when I'm down and out and going, you know what? We can, we can grow from this. We can build. We can sharpen each other. I can help someone else realize they're not alone when they're struggling like I was. And then maybe they'll go and do greater things than we ever did beyond art, beyond music, just in life in general. Maybe they can go and become the change that they want to see on the planet. And so I feel like that and really keeping my focus and clarity on God has been just a life-changing experience in general. And, um, you know, I don't even think I would be here playing music or even having this conversation if it wasn't for him. Great advice, TD. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, speak to Rock at Night. Again, everybody out there, Thank you, the new record comes out in October. I didn't, I didn't come here to die. I got it right, right? <laughs> you sure did, man. Way to go. <laughs> thank you so much. It was great having you. Andrea, and thank you very much. I'm honored that you wanted to have this conversation thank oh, you absolutely it was such a pleasure and uh, the best of luck to you guys and i'm sure you guys are going to be doing great because you're such an amazing band so talented not only musically but visually with your 
with your videos. You guys are great. Thank uh, you so much. 